Welcome to the Future of Ground Transportation podcast, where we discuss the exciting innovations that lie ahead for organizational ground transportation. Each episode, we cover topics tailored to those resolving transportation-related challenges and provide tips, tools, and trends that will inspire you to stay ahead of the curve. And now, here's your host, Daniel Perez. Welcome to the Future of Ground Transportation. Today, we have a special guest, Mr. George Jacobs, a legend in the ground transportation sector. George, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Daniel. I don't know about a legend, but thank you. <laughs> hey, I'll say to all the listeners today, you guys are for a special treat. George comes with a ton of industry experience. It's definitely an industry veteran with 40 years of experience. Uh, former president of the NLA. Uh, he sold American Limousine to carry in 1998. And uh, now you're the you started again after uh, in 2006 with Wind the City, and I'm I'm a huge admirer of the success that you have you know through so many years. So it's a privilege to to have you today. So thank you for for joining the 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 show. So let's get let's get started, George. Tell us a little bit about your expertise, your your background. How did you, actually how did you get started in this in in the ground transportation sector? It's a wild story. Um, I was a salesman for a forklift truck company, and I was sitting in the purchasing director's office waiting for him to get off the phone where he was screaming about the trade-in value of the company limousine. And he slammed up the phone and looked at me and said, George, you're crazy. How about buying our company limousine? And I said, what would I do with it? He said, you go in the livery business. I said, what's that? He says, I'll tell you what, we'll buy it together. You'll run it. I'll tell you what to do. I told me to put it into a fleet as an outside owner operator, which I did. And I fell in love with the business. You need to know a little bit about my background. I'm a compulsive gambler and I was an inch away from being a dead compulsive gambler. I joined Gamblers Anonymous when I was 26 years old. And this was five years later or so when uh, I got this car and I found that the limousine industry was a replacement for gambling. It was like every day was a snowflake. They're all different. Even the bad things <laughs> are interesting. Uh, you know, they're not always fun, but they're interesting. And, they're, and I'm a puzzle solver and I'm, I'm a problem solver. And I love that kind of stuff. So I put my one car into the fleet. And over the next five years, it became five cars. And he kept saying to me, let's buy that company. Let's buy that company. So I approached them to sell me the company. And at the last minute, he backed out because he wanted control. And I said, no, it's bad. <laughs> and three days to go, he backed out. So I went to my father. He got money. And I went to my uncle and got money. I went to my best friend. He gave me his life savings. And I got the last $25,000 in a shoebox. And the guy said, I want it back the same way. And I bought American Limousine in uh, October of 1984. And it was doing about $2 million. And well, what? 1984. In 1998, on the same date, October 1st, 1998, we were doing $20 billion. I found something in my life 
that I was really good, it made sense to me, and that I could make something out of it. Um, you know, they had a head start. They were doing $2 million. It wasn't like a tiny company, but they didn't have any ideas on how to grow things, how to make it bigger and better and stronger. And it's just something that came to me naturally. And I had all these ideas that they used to shoot down and say, well, that that's our budget for the year. We can't and I, I guess my my stock and trade is that I think out of, outside the box and I want to try things out and see if they'll work. And if they work, great. If they don't work, you try something else. So I'm just always interested in making a move and trying something different and seeing if it'll work. And then, awesome. Uh, I sold to Kerry, stayed with him for seven years, and I hated it. They, um, they just... They, they added an STC on to our, we, we made us not competitive. They said, oh, it goes to the bottom line. It's good. They said, but you're killing the top line. And they said, don't worry. Well, I did worry. And after seven years, I tried to buy it back. And they said no. And I resigned. So in 2005, I retired. In 2000, later in 2005, a bunch of people came to me and said, uh, we hate it here. We miss you. Would you start a new company? Coincidentally, some other people came to me and said, hey, if we gave you a bunch of millions of dollars, would you start a fantastic company and make it into something really special? And my kids were four and nine at the time. And my wife had, my wife said to me, I love you very much, but get out of the house. Go do something. <laughs> Started Windy City in 2006 with no cars, no chauffeurs no clients. And I had a half a million dollars in payroll and I darn well better make it successful and do it quick. So today, you know, we're a $30 million company. Um, I told her I'd be gone for three years. It's 17 years later, but here we are today. Awesome. awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so today you guys are $30 million uh, in sales revenues. How many, how many vehicles, George? About 130 buses, I mean, about 180 black cars. At our peak, we've been higher in both of those. We've been well over 200 black cars and up over 140 buses. We trimmed down during COVID. We back up a little bit. Awesome. All right. So, so just to capture a couple of nuggets that you that you mentioned, George. How old were you when you first started? Um. Something like, let's see, uh, around 40. You were on the, on, for American limousines, you were 40? I was 37 years old when I bought um, American limousine. Wow. And may I ask, George, how old are you now? How old am I now? 75. That's awesome. You have a sharp memory, by the way. So... So what, what would you say is the biggest challenges that you see moving fast forward? And what are the biggest challenges that you see in the in the ground transportation sector? You know, we have in this uh, show, we have talked about recruiting being one of the main challenges that the transportation sector is experiencing, especially CDL drivers. Um, but what what is your the main challenges that come to the top of mind for the next for the current year and the next three years? Well, recruiting is not an issue for us because we because we do a good job. We offer benefits. 
we treat people like we treat them like um, family more than employees. Um, I I speak I address every new CDL class, and we run you know one of ten twelve people at every class, um, and I speak to them about this is no longer you've had plenty of jobs you don't have any job anymore you have a career, and I really get them to believe that they have a career with the city, and that. In addition, they're not drivers. You've driven for the CTA or Pace or trucking companies. Today, you're a chauffeur. We're a chauffeur-driven transportation company, and I want you to proudly, when you talk to people about what you do for a living, you're a chauffeur, a bus chauffeur. And um, we have things that we do to help them along the way. We have our own CDL training classes. We can get them their, their next certification right here in our office um we do things that 401k we have uh bonuses we have awards they could get up to a thousand dollars a year for just being accident free so we really try and get them to be part of the system we have a big sign up in the dispatch office that says the chauffeurs are our most important client i believe that and i want our dispatchers to believe that and I want them to know that it's not us against them. It's we're all working on this together. One of the most important things that I say to the chauffeurs is that, look, I can bring business in. I can open it to spigot. I can just open the spigot, bring in all the business I can handle. But I can't drive them. I can't be in the vehicle with the clients. That's where I need you. I need you to be personable, professional, introduce yourself, you know, Problem solve. Do what? What would George do in this situation? How would I solve this problem? You're going to have oh. idiots that you deal with. You're going to have run into Mister Alcohol once in a while. You're going to run into people that are racist or bigots or sexist or whatever it is. How you handle them makes a big difference in how everything turns out. We back you up if you have a problem. We tell you to go to the police station, or we end the charter, or we tell the people they. We call them up and tell them they have to behave. We will back you up. And so I don't see recruiting for us as a problem whatsoever. I see other things, um, the insurance, and we've solved that in a big way too. Um, everybody's complaining about insurance going up. Ours goes down. Ours has gone down the last two years in a row. We belong to a captive, and we stress safety, 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 safety. Um, so if you're safe, if you don't have accidents, your insurance rates go down. We're in a belong to a captive, which is, um, if most people don't even know what it is, it's a sort of a group of companies getting together and self-insuring for the most part with an overlying um, insurance company backing you up. Uh, and if you do well, and if you have, you know, if you just have normal insurance and you do well, oh, well, nothing good happens. You just, your maybe your rates don't go up. But we get rebates. We put money into a pool. If we do well on our end, and if the other people in the captive do well, we get a rebate at the end of the year. So it's fantastic. If you do poorly, you're going to pay more. And that's how it should be. You should be. Yeah. It's a performance-based so, system. That, that's, so, so, George, to capture a couple of nuggets there, and for the folks that are, are now familiar with the captive, if you, if you don't mind explaining... How what how did you position the company to qualify for the captive, 
and what sort of infrastructure did you have to have in place uh, to to qualify for it, right? So, like, we have offices in New York and in Boston, and we have safety managers, trainers. Um, so, uh, if I was to put myself in the shoes of an operator with with ten vehicles or with fifty buses, how do they how do they put themselves in those situations to to qualify for the captain? And what has worked the best for you? And what has been the biggest lessons there? Well, the first thing is you mentioned safety. We have a safety manager. When we have a DOT audit, we not only pass it with flying colors, but they use us as an example. They will bring people into our shop and show them this is how we want you to be doing what you do. We're, we're safe, safe, safe. That's the number one thing. And um, we, we spend money to be safe. We have cameras at all the vehicles. People say, oh, I can't afford cameras. You can't not afford cameras because they will save you so much money. The return on investment in cameras is massive. Um, I'll give you one example, and then I'll go back to about. We had a um, uh, a bus carrying a busload of students that were special needs students, and they were on the way to school. They pick them up individually and make stops, and all of a sudden, a car came out of an alley and turned in so wide a turn that it turned into the right-hand lane where we were driving. It made too wide a turn. And the chauffeur had to slam on the brakes. And a kid went out of their seat and hit their head on the seat in front of him. There was a, an assistant on the bus, but he couldn't quite grab him in time. And he wasn't hurt badly, but he, was, he did bang his head. And the school board wanted to fire us because we were, they thought we were unsafe. We brought them into our office and showed them the video of exactly what happened and how the chauffeur's quick reaction prevented an accident. Not that she did anything wrong. She prevented an accident by her quick reactions. But we could show her. We have a video going forward. We have a video looking into the cabin. So cameras are the most important thing you could do. And there, when somebody says, oh, you clipped my mirror, the reality is, no, we didn't clip your mirror. We were standing still and you hit us. So we saved so much money on insurance claims and on losing business and on people, whatever stories they make up, we can show what is true, what is not true. Totally. So employment in workers' comp, if the chauffeur is doing something inappropriate, um, cameras now have artificial intelligence. So much like a baseball if you watch baseball, you see the art, the screen superimposed the strike zone. But we have a yep. superimposed strike zone around the chauffeur's head. And if his chauffeur is constantly looking down, looking down, we know they're texting. So we can stop it while it's happening. We can see it, get warned, and stop it. If they're looking to the side, we know they're talking to somebody, not paying attention. It's the most amazing technology, and it saves us money, and it saves them being injured and it saves vehicle damage. So to go back to the captain, um, we had a disaster in 2017. We were always in the captive for workers' comp, and we've done really well uh, for workers' compensation. But we had a good insurance company here in Chicago that just left. One day they just quit. They packed up their bags and they left, and we couldn't hmm. get insurance. Uh, and our insurance doubled. The workers, the captive took us in, 
grudgingly. They were happy with us as workers' comp, but they'd never taken a bus company into their captain. So they had logging companies, and they had waste management companies, and they had all sorts of weird things, but they never wanted to have a bus company in there. So they took us in grudgingly, and our insurance went from $1 million to $2 million, wiping out everything we possibly could make for the year. We had a completely zero year. Um, but as each year went on and they saw how well we performed, our insurance rates have gone down and our rebates have increased. So we get a check back every year and our rates go down every year. And the captive has turned out to be now it's less expensive than having normal insurance. Um, so it's a terrific, terrific program. You have to do you know, certain things you have to do. You have to participate in their workshops. You have to participate in their safety training. Um, you have to be a good partner in there. You can't just take it for granted. Every day, every every day, you should be working on safety in your office and, and on the road, seeing what they're doing, riding with them, doing checks, you know, random checks, calling clients, yeah. and, hey, what would you think about the chauffeur drove? That kind of stuff. Got it. Got it. And then, George, what would you say has been your superpowers throughout the 40 years that had led you to the success that you have nowadays? I think transparency. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not a blamer. When, when uh, we have something go wrong, I, I say to people, when I'm selling, I say to people, look, anybody can drive you from here to there, and anybody can buy a bus or anybody can buy a car, but nobody else can give you what I will give you. And that's, um, that's George Jacobs. I'm going to give you myself. If there's an issue, we're going to do three things. We're going to solve it immediately. We're not interested in assessing blame. We're interested in fixing it today. For instance, if I have a bus go down or car go down, I have a, I pay a standby chauffeur to sit in our office all day long. I realize a smaller company might not be able to do this. But we have a standby chauffeur sitting in our office all day long, all day and all night. If a bus breaks down, if a chauffeur is late or sick or calls off, we're not going to miss that job. We are going to send that chauffeur out either to deliver a new bus to the bus that is broken down. And the original chauffeur continues on their way with the new bus. The, the chauffeur, the standby chauffeur, waits for the repair to be done and then drives that bus back. Um so we take care of, and we're going to fix whatever it is today, right now, whatever it is. And then we're going to look into it and figure out what happened and how we can avoid that happening in the future. We're going to tell you about that. We're going to be transparent. We're going to say, this is what happened. It was, it was our fault or it was something you did. We're going to let you know what happened. Maybe you put in an order for the wrong day and that's why the bus didn't show up. Maybe we did it wrong. Maybe we had a 12-hour error. Whatever. We let you know what happened, and then we tell you how we're going to fix it going forward so it won't happen again. And I think people appreciate that more than anything on earth is the fact that things break, things go wrong, chauffeurs have bad days, and clients have bad days. And it's our job to fix it and make it better. And I want to know my superpower. It's making things better. That is awesome. That is awesome. Thank you for sharing. 
And and just what we say it has helped you <clears throat> throughout the years. Um, I I I tend to to go with a story that in the ground transportation sector, especially for folks like us that operated, you know, anywhere from eighty to one hundred buses in average. And we're in an industry that is very capital intense, human intense, and low profit margins. What are your what are your thoughts behind profit margins in this in this industry and what has helped you be profitable? Anything that you could share with other operators um that they could benefit from from someone that has forty years of, of experience to be profitable in, in this industry? Three words. We come first and that's it we come first when i spoke in front of a, a group at the chauffeur driven recently i had the audience there were three sections i had them repeat it we come first and if everybody listening will pay attention to that that will solve their problems what i mean by this is that covid taught us a sharp lesson we were fat we had too many people doing uh individual things and we had customers that told us what we were going to do, and we bent over backward for them. We still give the greatest customer service on earth, but we we did a bunch of things as a result of COVID. So the first thing we did was we cross-trained everybody in the company. So we no longer have a dispatcher that just does greets. We might have 250 greets in a day when things are really hopping. We don't have it today, but we used to have 250 greets in a day. I had a greeter dispatcher. That's all he did. So when there was no greets going on, he was sitting there twiddling his thumbs. And, I mean, you know, there's days when we have five greets or ten So what we did was cross-trained everybody in dispatch. Everybody could do everything now. So as a result, where well, we used to use 12 dispatchers at one time, now we have seven. So I've saved five dispatchers worth of people and still were as efficient as we always were. Same thing in the reservations department. I didn't need all the reservation agents that I had. We cross-trained. Everybody does. My affiliate people can do weddings. My wedding people can do groups. My group people can take a normal reservation. Everybody's cross-trained. You save a number of people. Something I fought against and they convinced me to try, um, old dog, new tricks. We have people in Serbia that are taking reservations for us. I hate it when you talk to somebody, you call up a company and they're in India or they're in the Philippines and you can't understand their accents. That's very difficult for me and it, it, I think it's a disservice to your clients. When you call in and you get a Serbian on the phone, they speak as good English as you or I do and they're hungry, they're intelligent, they're really good at their jobs and you, you could be talking to somebody in Chicago, you have no idea the difference. And I had to be convinced of that, and now I'm thrilled to death with it. And they're they're like $14 an hour and no benefits. It, it's it's amazing. Um, yeah. And they're great at what they do. And they're so good, we've actually promoted some to work at accounting and do other things. Uh, Correct. So we did cross-training. That was important. We got rid of the clients that were... I, there's no other way to put it. There are bad clients. There are good clients and there are bad clients. The bad clients are the ones that say, well, here's what we, we need this discount. We need that discount. We're not going to go with you unless you do this, unless you do that. And the reality is that 
they need us more than we need them. So we went to our clients, we're bad clients, and, they said, and we said to them, your pricing is way out of whack compared to what we need to do. And one University of Chicago, um, I had to raise their prices 50%. And they're still... <laughs> Somebody had previously given them a ridiculous rate. The chauffeurs complained about it every day. We weren't making any money on it. What do you need an account for where you don't make money on it? You have to make money. We come first. So I had to go to these people. That was just one example. And I had to raise their rates 50%. And they screamed and yelled. And and they said, okay, we give them great, great service. We take care of them. And now the rate is reasonable for us. And that's the, the other thing, the other part of the equation, is we went and looked at all rates. And we said, you know, we were reluctant to raise rates. We, we were terrified to raise rates for years. Now, since August of 2021, we have raised our rates six times. And if you think about it, when you go to the grocery store and you buy a dozen eggs, does the grocery store send you an email before when they raise the price of eggs, do they send you an email saying, here's our rate for the book to the, for those eggs for the next year? Never. <laughs> does the hotel chain tell you how much their rate is going to be for the next year? No, they don't. Um, so we decided that when it's necessary, we raise rates and we don't worry about notifying people. This is our rate. Uh, and if it's not enough, we raise it again. So we've raised rates six times in the last year and a half. Um, and now we're at a point where we are extremely profitable. We we charge for fuel. There should be a fuel surcharge at everybody's trip. Every trip should have a fuel surcharge. You never know when fuel's going up, when it's going down. We would have people say, well, fuel went down, or I don't want to pay a fuel surcharge. Too bad. It's... Uh, the biggest cost I have after um, first Shuffer cost. Yep. It's the biggest cost I have is fuel. Well, sometimes we make money on fuel. Sometimes it's a cost to us. But sometimes if fuel goes down, we'll make a little money on it. Um, it's a surcharge. It's, it's in addition to your built-in fuel that you, when your rates are structured, you have to consider all your different costs that go into your rates. One of those is fuel. So you already have some fuel built into your rates. Having a fuel surcharge is a good thing for you, and it makes you profitable. It might take you from the red to the black. Um, it's a good thing. Got it. So, so you have to be strong with the clients. You have to talk to them about, I need to make money or I won't be here. It, before COVID, there were 3,000 bus companies in America. Today, there's 1,500. So... Let that be a lesson to everybody. If we don't stay strong and if we don't make money, now there'll be a thousand bus companies. And the ones that remain will be able to charge whatever they want. I agree. Supply and demand is a big thing. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that nugget of we come first because lately as we we had a, a weekly accounts receivables calls and where we see you know, all, we look at all of our outstanding accounts, who, who whoever owes us money especially with Fortune 1000 companies. And one of my mantras that came out is, if you want a bus to show up on time, you got to pay us on time. And before I was so hesitant 
to push back on the clients and said, hey, listen, we need to get paid on time versus now is if you don't pay us on time, I'm going to stop that route. I'm going to stop this shuttle. I'm going to stop that shuttle service because we cannot operate without money. Good for you. And we do. We carry it a step further. If they're late paying us, we charge interest. So um, if they're if they're a large credit card account, um, I think it's over five thousand dollars. We charge a fee for credit cards. It's something that we used to be afraid to do. Now we do it. And if they're late in paying, um, let's say after sixty days, we charge interest. Um, and they have to pay it. And you're right. You, you, you hate to get to the point where you say, no, we're not going to service you unless you pay us. But, um, I had one today. We got a big check in today because yesterday, late last week, we told them that, um, we're putting you on a, you're on hold, you know, we're putting you on a credit hold. We can't service you right now because you owe us so much money and it's so late and we're going to need a credit card for backing up every order. Um, you know, it's a company that we do a lot of work with, but yep. can't abuse us. A hundred percent. We're not a we're not a bank, right? And switching a little bit of the subject, George, what what do you what do you foresee in this in this episodes and this show? We talk about a lot about the future of transportation between autonomous vehicles, flying cars. What is your perspective with you know Wind the City and and autonomous vehicles and flying cars in the next no one no one has the crystal ball right but if you were to have the, the crystal ball uh do you see this as a threat for when the city in the next five to ten years or do you see that your grant kids will be flying in vehicles and at one point this industry will be reduced by 50 percent what, what are your thoughts well i think the industry stays the same we just have to adapt we've adapted to get rid of limousines and bring in uh suvs We've adapted to get rid of um, other vehicle, other type buses and bring in sprinters. So we're constantly adapting. If they have driverless vehicles, I don't see it for quite a while. Um, but if they have them, that's fine. We'll adapt to that. Um, if they have flying chauffeured flying vehicles, we'll adapt to that. I, I don't see that for quite a while, but we'll adapt. We'll do whatever it takes to stay relevant. You know, we need to get people from point A to point B. I explained to my show, because it's so simple. All we do is get people from point A to point B safely and charge a reasonable fee and give on-time professional service in a beautiful vehicle. It couldn't be simple. Anybody that tries to make it 30 other things, they're losing their picture. It's really simple. And if we need to do it in an autonomous vehicle, we will. If we need to do it in a flying vehicle, we still will. Yep. I love, I love your mindset. And um, I'm always in the mindset of, especially with clients, whatever the client needs. If you call me for a helicopter or a private jet, we got to make it happen. So whether it's adapting to flying cars, autonomous vehicles, we will adapt. So I, I appreciate you mentioning that. And, and George, in the essence of time, what is the best business advice you have accumulated within all this 40 years plus of being a veteran in this industry that you could share with the audience? Well, uh, when you're dealing with clients, you should talk to them about thinking outside the box. You should let your clients know that you can do anything anywhere for them. So it isn't enough just to take people, you know, I have clients that call up and they want to have a, a, a hundred people move from their hotel 
to the um, convention center or out to dinner. And I say to them, and I train my people to say this, well, you've got 100 people staying in this hotel. Did you know that we also have black cars? We have 200 black cars in Chicago. And could we get you to it from the airport? Even if you're not paid for it, uh, let us put up a website where your people can do, can log in and, and, you know, use our app and do it themselves. So I'm constantly asking for more and more and more. So I say to them, you're only concerned about taking people to and from the hotel, the restaurants or the convention center. I'm concerned about getting to and from the airport. Let me do that for you. And we point out to them that we can do the same thing for them in every city. They'll talk about how great we are in Chicago. I said, well, you should see us in Los Angeles or in Denver or in Boston. <clears throat> we can do the same thing everywhere. And of course, if it's Boston, then we're coming to you and say, we need you to handle this group, just like everybody does. Correct. But we need to ask for the business more and more and more. Ask for the business is the single best tip I can Ask for the business. There you go. Thank you, George, for sharing that. And just to wrap the, the episode, George, what, what are the daily habits that has led to become the, the, the person that you are today, you know, at uh, 74 years old? What, what has been your best daily habits that you used to, to become the, the entrepreneur that you are today and, and this legacy of when the city that you have created? You have to do something that we all hate. All entrepreneurs hate this, but you have to do it. You have to delegate. <clears throat> you have to put the best people in place, and then you have to trust them to get the job done. If you micromanage every person in your, every manager and every person in the company, it'll grind to a halt. There's things that I do really, really well, and I should do them. There's things that other people do really, really well, and I should let them. So, Delegate to people that you trust. Make sure that they're on the right path. I, I used to get involved in every unemployment case. I trained my people how to handle unemployment cases. They haven't asked me for help in probably 10 years. And we never <laughs> lose an unemployment case because they're all great at what they do. And you just have to trust the people that they're going to solve the problems on that level. You don't have to micromanage. And when you do, they, they get insulted so the totally. thing is when you don't do it all the time, when you do offer your opinion on something, they listen. Yeah. Now that is a, that is a really good tip. As we continue to grow, I, I really be mindful of micromanaging and actually leading other leaders so that way the company could continue to grow. And instead of me giving them orders, I just ask questions. It's like, okay, like, what do you, what do you recommend? Come up, you know, give me your best three recommendations. And, and you did a phenomenal job with this recommendation and just show it to me once it's done. So instead of getting the, giving them the direct input on what needs to be done, I rather ask them the questions and have them on those projects where they will take pride because it's their own project that they're executing instead of me giving them the, the, the uh, direction. I think you've got it spot on the way you're approaching. Yeah. So George, again, thank you for being generous with your time. Thank you for, showing the way to so many other operators. Thank you for being an example on on this industry. Uh, thank you for everything that you have done for for this industry. And thank you for being uh, part of, of this uh, show. Um, we, we're going to post the more information about Wind the City and how you could book 
chauffeur services was in Chicago or worldwide on the episode notes. So thank you very much, George, for being part of the episode. Appreciate you. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Thanks for tuning in to the future of ground transportation. We appreciate you coming along for the ride. If you found value in this episode and want to hear more, please make sure to subscribe to the show.